your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Well, hello, this is Catherine, your host of the podcast, Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people all over the world whose positive actions are inspiring positive achievements. Exceptional people rise to the challenge. Music by the talented Chris Knoll. Check out his music and learn so much more about his pretty rad, awesome background. ChrisKnoll.com Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Check out my YouTube channel, Your Positive Imprint, and my website, YourPositiveImprint.com, where, of course, you can sign up for email updates to learn more about the podcast, as well as listen to the podcast or, of course, listen from any podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any, or just your favorite podcast platform. And you can also go shopping. Go to yourpositiveimprint.com. Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.? I sat outside in the mountains with the birds and also with legendary podiatrist Dr. Bob Parks. Bob was born and raised in Tacoma, Washington, during a time that he says was a bit simpler then. In high school, he ran track and cross-country, and living a typical family life in the Pacific Northwest, which he considers an astounding beauty with the mountains and the greenery and forests. Life was special every day. But, like most kids, he grew up and moved away. Last week, episode 139... Bob shared his positive imprints as a pioneer of sports medicine and podiatry and how he helped these practices evolve. Decades later, Bob retired, and he had this amazing transition in his life that had little to do with the precision of science. I, I went from left brain to right yeah, brain. Let's, literally. Let's put it that way. Yes. And, and I did it on purpose. The exactness of surgery is so unbelievable. There is very little margin for error. And with art, you are so loose with the brush because the composition will tell you what it wants if you let it. The composition and the piece of art will evolve. But in, in medicine and particularly surgery, you don't have do-overs. You have to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. And particularly with trauma, it doesn't always work out exactly like you'd hope. But transitioning from medicine, where I use my hands in a very exacting manner, into art, where it's right brain and you have to just be a free thinker, it was a struggle. In fact, when I first took a lesson, my art teacher, who's unbelievably good, and he says, oh, God, not another surgeon. He's, and, and I said, why? And, and I've, I've found over the years why. And it's because we are very exact. And with art, being exact isn't the best way to be oftentimes. But... I wanted something completely different. I always kind of thought when I heard that somebody was an artist, I thought that was kind of 
strange and kind of unique. And I thought, well, that would be something interesting. And someone else asked me, they said, well, why did you pick art? And I said, you know, I have found through my sports and my athleticism that the journey is the most enjoyable part. It's not the destination or the outcome of your marathon time, but it's the journey of training and becoming more proficient at a, uh, at a hobby or vocation or profession that is really, to me, the most appealing. And I wanted something that I could do for many years. Now, looking back historically, I started with photography and that has helped me tremendously as far as composition. And the photography kind of worked in conjunction with sculpting. So I did wood sculpting and I would make totem poles, large ones. I would make kachina dolls, life-size kachina dolls, which is rather unusual. I hadn't seen them before, but I'm using chainsaws and large tools. And I realized over a period of time, I wouldn't be able to do that any longer. So Because um, the chainsaw... It's heavy. It's yeah, heavy yeah. work. You get tired after a while, not, not to mention the fact you might injure yourself. Right. And I had a question about some necklace I was putting on a kachina, carving it and painting it. And I called this one teacher and his answer wasn't appropriate for what I needed, but there was something that intrigued me about what he talked about. And intrigued Bob was. He purchased some cheap paint and paintbrushes and began painting a few pictures. He even took online lessons from the art Sherpa. This is a lot of fun, but more importantly, it was a heck of a challenge. Hmm, I think I like this. Bob contacted the art teacher who intrigued him weeks earlier and signed up for classes with him. Classes are once a week, and they're not just hands-on with the brush. It's not uncommon that we'll never pick up a paintbrush in three hours' time. We'll talk entirely about composition, color theory, and I'll bring in something that I've been working on. We'll look at it, we'll discuss it, and the time just flies. And I might add for your listeners, Catherine, before I forget is that when you're seeking out a hobby or anything that really drives you, think of those times when you might be pursuing that endeavor at 12 or 1 in the morning and your wife says, Bob, are you coming to bed? <laughs> that is something that drives you and you probably should tune into that and maybe make that one of your life choices as far as hobbies. And I enjoy the process. The learning curve with painting is extreme. The frustrations, possibly, but only through frustration and failure can you actually achieve the proper course of success. And that's true with any walk of life. I think, as you probably know, Teddy Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, so many other famous people have said, without failure, you have no success because you don't know your boundaries. So I found that the learning curve for art and particularly painting was just something that really attracted me. And it's something that one painting you may work a month on and it's layer after layer. It's this is good, this is bad, but this directs me in a new direction. That I just find so rewarding. My mouth has just dropped because you were not even painting prior to this. I, I never took a painting course. I oh never drew. Gosh. I never took a class in sketching. No. Nothing. I said, I want to do something where I start out baseline zero 
And I study and I study and I continue to study and try new things. You have it's, an incredible talent. But but, but <laughs> it's like, you know, you look at a you look at a movie star and you say, Oh, that looks easy. Well, you don't know what went into all of that. Or a person says, How how much is this painting? And a person might say, Well, this is ten thousand dollars. How could you ask so much? It's just paint on a canvas. It will take thirty to fifty hours oftentimes. And oftentimes Developing the composition before you even put paint on canvas takes as long as the actual painting process to come up with an idea, the color scheme that you're going to use that's going to be attractive and it's going to satisfy you as an artist. Oh my gosh, your paintings are incredible. Thank you. And oh, your house is just covered with Bob Park's paintings. And Well, I'm, I might add, Catherine, that I feel bad uh, oh, that they're and, not hanging in my house? <laughs> no, no. I, I do feel bad. I do feel bad that, that my wife and I do have a fair amount of original art in our house. And as I find a piece that I like of my own, I take down this original art from somebody else and put it in a closet and put my own. <laughs> um, but I guess that's good. I, I do enjoy looking at my own work. I don't know that I could pick up a paintbrush and do what you're doing. What kind of mindset goes on? What do you have to have? Because you did go boy. from left to right. Yes, and that's that's a real good question because, for example, we've been up here in the Brazos for three or four days and I haven't picked up a paintbrush. You do have to be in the right mindset. And I don't think I'm unique in that. And I have to be relaxed. Fortunately, I, I find that going out for a, a run or a bike ride to just lose some steam, so to speak, and get into a relaxed type of uh, feeling. And also, I like to paint with music. So, I mean, the stars have to be aligned. Although I do paint probably 20 hours a week. It's almost full-time work sure, for me. Sure. The thing I do, I might add, enjoy about my painting is I don't rely on it for income. And I think a lot of people that do, they get stuck in a rut of painting a certain composition. And that's good. I, I would have loved to have done that as, as a career potentially. But... I continue to shift between abstract and photorealism and and other unique types of painting just because I like to continue to pursue challenges. But you have to, getting back to your question, you have to be in the proper mindset before you sit down. And my wife, Allison, she gets a kick because I'll be up in my studio for three or four hours and I'll come down and she goes, well... I, I lost the war this time. I think it was Winston Churchill who was a painter. He said painting is like going to war and you never know who's going to win. And sometimes you can just feel it. Sometimes you get on a roll and it just flows. And other times it's like you're fighting against the, the paint and the canvas. And when that happens, you have to set it all down and you just walk away. Maybe you go out and exercise. You need to give it a day or two. But uh um, being in the right frame of mind to let the energy flow. My teacher told me at first, and I didn't really believe it, that a person's personality and how they're feeling while they're painting actually comes out onto the canvas. And to me, it just sounded like a bunch of baloney, but it's actually <laughs> true. It is actually true. For example, when I when I painted uh, Mick Jagger in, in a... Uh, style called uh, spontaneous realism, where you take color values, different colors, but, but color values, light versus dark, 
and you paint these very abstract and vivid compositions, I would play Mick Jagger music, only Mick Jagger music. I just <laughs> finished a character portrait on Freddie Mercury and oh my I, gosh. I, I am just stuck on Freddie Mercury. <laughs> and my wife says, please paint another artist. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so you have to get in the mood and you have to appreciate it. And also what I find is that if you have personal experience, let's say, for example, you visit a place and you see something. I'm painting Cape Royal now from the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. Well, I've been there. I've I've photographed it. I know it very well. And, and that's the thing. I find that if you're a photographer or if you're a painter, you appreciate the environment so much more. You look differently. You look at the shadows. You look at the petals of a, a flower and you look how parts are, are radiolucent. Other parts are, are opaque and the color variation. So I can't remember. I think it was Ansel Adams that said, a camera allows a person to really see better. And I think that's very true. And I've taken up painting particularly for that reason, too, that allows me to really appreciate nature. But you have to have a connection to what you're painting. Unless there's a connection, and certainly if you're simply copying a photograph, like my art teacher would say, just put the photograph on the wall. What are you doing? You're just copying somebody else's work. So... There has to be a force of energy that that is transmitted from you onto the canvas that hopefully the person that looks at it can get a feeling for. Um, Frank Sinatra, I painted him and uh, I used blues. Why? Blue eyes, old blue eyes. Um, I painted Beethoven, uh, which is in Seattle right now. It's hanging in Seattle. and. Um, I painted real dark colors with Beethoven. I felt that he has this presence, this very dark presence, that, and his, his music is dark. And I did the same thing with that. I listened to Beethoven the whole time I was painting him. And I think it comes across. Sure. Now, you don't just do portraits. You have done horses, and you do landscapes, and <laughs> a menagerie. Yes, and I must admit, part of that is just trying to find my niche. And and I've only been painting for six years. Well, why can't a niche be a variety? It, it my show is a variety show. It, it certainly can. It certainly can. But when a, an artist jumps from near photorealism, that I'll do sometimes, to the somewhat more abstract, that is a quite a breadth of, of styles. But... But I think at this point, people can look at the brush strokes and say, ah, yeah, I think uh, that's consistent with your other work. So what I'm saying is that if you're looking at a John Singer sergeant or, or uh, a Pollock, I mean, you know, you can kind of tell from a distance, oh, well, that style is consistent with Monet or whoever mm -hmm. it may be. And most people end up evolving into a particular style that's recognizable. And, and I agree with you. At this point in time, I don't care. I do it because I like doing it. <laughs> and they're awesome. <laughs> Thank I really you. love looking at the paintings. Thank you. And can anybody pick up a paintbrush, even if they have all of this energy flowing and they're in the right mindset? What kind of talent do you 
need to have. To become a surgeon, you certainly have to go to training and practice well, it and yeah. so on. Can you do that? Or do you need to have something inside that you're no. born with? You, you have to have drive. Okay. And you have to set your goals high. And if you keep plugging away, you'll achieve those goals. And you have to be patient. You know, I, I rarely will see anybody's completed, completed uh, painting that I won't find some joy with. And they may be a beginner. So who are we, you know, to judge and say, oh, this painter is better than another painter. So I, love I, that. I, I clearly I love that. recommend that if a person just likes the feel of a paintbrush in their hand and wants to throw some paint, by all means, give it a try. And I think the cheapest way of doing it is go on the internet. And all you have to do is Google, how do I paint a tree? How do I paint a, a, a bird? How do I paint a flower? And there are so many websites that will take you through a video process within an hour. You'll have something that you can say, I did that. And if you're happy with that and you say, gee, maybe there's something to that, I encourage people to give it a try because it certainly was nothing I ever thought I would be doing as I, as I got older. Sure. And, and now you're retired and you're able to just enjoy that. People can go to your website. I think they can purchase as well, but they yes. can go to the website and look at all of your artwork. It's 6-robert-parks.com. dot pixels p-i-x-e-l-s dot com it's a good website i think and the images are professionally photographed so they're done fairly well so i think the listeners would enjoy taking a look at that i enjoy looking at all the different variety landscapes and horses and other animals and, and some portraits. of my photography as well and some of your photography is right. there so i like to end with last inspiring words from my guests well, I think in today's world, I was just reading an article in the paper today about people that are working from home and how there's a heightened level of depression uh, with and in conjunction with working at home. And the fact that we're spending so much time on the internet and Facebook and these other sites, but we're finding that the joy and the happiness in our lives is, is not there. And I don't speak for myself, but I see this happening. I mean, and, and you can talk about suicide rates. You can talk about any of the, these other indices, uh, but they're all pretty consistent that people in, are in a mental state of turmoil. And I really think that if people would become participants in life instead of viewers or spectators you know instead of watching a sport on tv go out and do something so i always advocate that being a participant whether you're painting or taking a walk in the morning all of these things are so important and i really think that our society is leading us in some respects down the wrong pathway when you consider that for example, some of the happiest people in the world are in Papua, or however you pronounce it, New Guinea. They have nothing, and yet they're, they're smiling. They've done these studies, and they find that 
there's no correlation between materialistic or financial um, well-being and happiness. And so I would suggest to the listeners that they take advantage of these great opportunities, whether it be a hobby or a sport activity, and fill their life with action and endeavor instead of being a spectator in life. And I think, you know, the, the we, all of these niceties that we have that make our lives easier in some regards have, I think, backfired on us. And I think there's going to be a reckoning and a, a, a riding of the ship, but I feel bad that so many other people feel bad and I think we're starting to find out now exactly why this is the case. So I would, I would, I would certainly like to put that out there. That's good advice, full of wisdom, <laughs> Bob. This has been so enlightening, and having you share your positive imprints with everybody, and I so much appreciate it. And I like that you have led a life, a very virtuous life, and you have attained your happiness. And the journey is not your destination and you are still traveling on your journey, and I wish you the best of luck with all of your endeavors and continue enjoying the process. Thank you, Catherine. And I would just lastly like to say that the fact that you have this podcast, Positive Imprint, I've listened to some of them, and I am so inspired. Cody Anser, my goodness. <laughs> I did not know her story. You know, we all know the Anser family. In fact, some of them live up here, but that was so inspiring what she's done and how she's teaching yes. OBGYN yes. doctors on the, the subtleties of an OBGYN table for paraplegics yes. and all of this that I just think what you're doing with all the bad news we get in the world, it's good to be able to escape and hear some positive news that people might be doing. Oh, thank you so much for that, Bob. And, and of course, I, like you, would like people to go and find their positive imprint and put it into action. <laughs> thank you. And I thank you for your positive imprint. Bob's website is six, spelled out, S-I-X, dash Robert, dash Parks, dot Pixels, P-I-X-E-L-S dot com, six-robert-parks.pixels.com. Your Positive Imprint, what's your P-I? Go to yourpositiveimprint.com.